of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brethren, and the lad was with the sons of Bilam, with the sons of Zilpha, his father's wives, and Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a coat of many colors. When his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. And Joseph dreamed a dream. And he told it his brethren, and they hated him yet the more. And he said unto them, Here I pray you this dream which I have dreamed. For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field. And lo, my sheep arose and also stood upright. And behold, your sheaves stood round about and made obeisance to my sheep. And his brethren said unto him, Shalt thou indeed reign over us, or shalt thou indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him yet the more for his dreams and for his words. And he dreamed yet another dream. He told it his brethren and said, Behold, I have dreamed a dream more. Behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars made obeisance to me. He told it to his father and to his brethren, and his father rebuked him and said unto him, What is this dream that thou hast dreamed? Shall I and thy mother and thy brethren indeed come to bow down ourselves to thee, to the earth? And his brethren envied him, but his father observed the same. Now drop down with me to verse number 19. The Bible said in verse 19, And they, that is Joseph's brethren, they said one to another, Behold, this dreamer cometh. Behold, this dreamer cometh. And tonight, with the help of the Lord, I want to preach primarily from verse number 19, and with the help of God, enlarge upon this thought, Behold, this dreamer cometh. Now, it's interesting to me, as you begin to study the book of Genesis, that you'll find that one-fourth of this book, and there's 50 chapters in the book of Genesis, one-fourth of it is devoted to our character at hand tonight. One-fourth of the book of Genesis. That 13 chapters are devoted to the life of Joseph. There's more said about Joseph than there is creation. There's more said about Joseph than there is Adam and Eve. There's more said about Joseph than there is Abraham and Isaac. And the Lord didn't just call Moses, who was the human penman, who pinned down the first five books of the Bible. God did just not, he didn't just let Moses fill up space, but he was putting all of these things down about Joseph because they typify, in many ways, the Lord Jesus Christ. Thirteen different chapters here that we have in our Bible about Joseph. I believe, number one, there's an explanation of circumstances. The reason that God says so much about Joseph, that it gives us insight to why the children of Egypt were down, or excuse me, the children of Israel were down in Egypt. It connects us with the book of Exodus and makes sense out of what is going on down in Egypt's land. Then number two, there's an example of conduct you'll find that Joseph was able to live for God when the winds of adversity seemingly were blowing against his life. He was dedicated and consecrated and sold out to God, friend, all the days of his life. And he lived for God when it seemed like everybody else was going another way. That seems like much today that's going on. But I'm glad through the grace of God that we're able to live for God in these last days. 
not only an explanation of circumstances, an example of conduct, but there's an exaltation of Christ. Uh, you find that, mo that Joseph, he's the most Christ-like person in all the Old Testament. Now you remember how that Isaac is a beautiful picture of the Lord Jesus. And many other Old Testament characters, that they typify the Lord. But somewhere I was reading behind one of the old writers, and they found at least a hundred and one different types of how that, that Joseph is likened to the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe that's one of the reasons that God took 13 chapters and put them in the Word of God about Joseph. It's very easy to see that in chapter 37, verse number 3, that Joseph was greatly beloved of his father. Is that not a picture of the Lord Jesus? Jesus was the object, he was, and he is the object of the Father's divine love. Chapter 37, verse number 20, uh, you'll find that Joseph was hated by his brethren. Uh, and the Lord Jesus in John chapter 1 came to his own. His own received him not. Uh, Israel hated him uh, and refused him and said, Crucify this man. You'll find in chapter 37, verse 28, uh, that Joseph was sold uh, for 20 pieces of silver. Uh, and did not Judas Iscariot betray our Lord uh, for 30 pieces of silver? The types go on and on and on. Chapter 41, verse number 45, uh, you'll find later on that Joseph took a Gentile bride. He was married to a Gentile lady friend, and that's what our Lord is doing right now. He's calling out of the masses of this world a bride unto himself. Primarily, she's a Gentile bride. I know that there's Jews that are getting saved, but the Jews as a nation, Israel is in darkness, and she's, in, she's blinded, and she'll be that way until the Lord comes back again. You'll find in chapter 45, verse number 1, that, that Joseph revealed himself unto his brethren. That, I mean, after many, many years had came and gone since they sold him that, into slavery, that, Joseph revealed himself to his brethren. I tell you, there's coming a day in Zechariah chapter number 13 that, and verse number 6 that, when the Lord's going to come riding back that, and his feet are going to stand there in Israel that, and they're going to say, where did you get these wounds in your hands? That, and he'll say, in the house of my friends. That, and Israel is going to recognize him that, as the Messiah that they crucified. That, Christ will reveal himself unto his brethren also. The typology goes on and on and on. You see, there's an explanation of circumstances. There's an example of conduct, but there's an exaltation of Christ. And on and on we could read and study about Joseph. But I, I was reading behind one of the older writers, Dr. John Phillips, who I love to read behind, that and he made a comment that from Genesis chapter 1 in verse 16. Now think about this. When Moses was pinning down the word of God, that, and God was going to talk about the stars and constellations that, and the galaxies, that all God would let Moses pin down was five words. I mean, that's all just five words. The Bible said, and he made the stars also. That's all God said about the stars and constellations and galaxies. 
But when it came to one who was to portray the Lord Jesus, and who was a type of Christ, God said, Moses, take your time now and pin it down and write it down good. Thirteen long chapters. That tells me that God is more interested in making saints than he is in the stars. God's more interested in the Christians than he is in the constellations. And God is more interested in the godly than he is in the galaxies. Oh yes, and he made the stars also. But now when we come to our text tonight in Genesis chapter 37 verse 19, the Bible said that the brethren said one to another, Behold, this dreamer cometh. Now as you read in the life of Joseph, we find tonight that he was a young man who dreamed dreams. Two different dreams that he had here in this chapter. And the dreams were simply the will of God for his life. And as you look at Joseph at the outset, may I say a few things tonight? Joseph was different than all the other brethren. I mean, he was different. Uh, many different things made him different. His decisions made him different. His decision, if you will, uh, to follow God. Uh, his decision about faithful service unto the Lord. Uh, his decisions made him different. And there's something else. His dress made him different. Jacob made him a coat of many colors. And when Joseph would wear that coat, it just made the brethren so mad that his dress made him different. And I believe if you ever get saved by the grace of God for him, that he'll clothe you in robes of righteousness. And then he'll help you to live right and dress right in a wicked, wicked world. You'll find that his disposition made him different toward his family that mocked him, and toward his foes that mistreated him, and toward his father that misunderstood him. And Joseph had a good disposition, or an attitude, if you will. And then his devotion made him different. Joseph was devoted in the times of prosperity, and that's easy to do. But he was devoted in the time of adversity. When it seemed like everything was upside down and his world had fell apart, Joseph was still devoted unto God. Then you'll find his destiny made him different. Joseph was destined for the palace. Now it was a long time in coming. He had to go by way of the pit. He had to go by way of the prison house and Potiphar's house. But thank God he wound up for him in the palace. May I say tonight, our destination makes us different than the people of this world. We're just strangers and pilgrims. And we're sojourners down here. And our destination is going to be glory one day. Glory. But then this is what I want to magnify tonight. His dreams made him different. His dream life made him different. Now tonight, I want us to look at three different phases or three different stages to the dream life of Joseph. That's what they said in verse 19. These are words of ridicule, accusation, and scorn and contempt that they said one to another, there's those brethren standing out there, and they said one to another, behold, this dreamer cometh. I mean, they're laughing at Joseph. But here he comes, he's just 17 years old, he's wearing the coat of many colors, and he's seeking his brethren out, and they begin to laugh and make fun of him, and here comes Joseph. I guess they might have said, well, there's no dreaming Joe. 
There's old Goody Two Shoes Joseph. Hey, yeah, that's Daddy's pet. Look at him. He's wearing the coat of many colors that, that Dad made for him. They said, Here comes that dreamer. I wonder if anybody I wonder if anybody ever accuses us of dreaming for God. Now, I'm not talking about visions in the night. I'm not talking about eating too much pizza and deal pickle and going to bed and having a nightmare. But I'm talking about having a goal and some ambitions and desires for the Lord and His service. I thought about what the Bible said in Psalms 126 and verse 3. The Bible said, when the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dreamed. I believe we ought to have some dreams and goals and ambitions, friend, in the service of the Lord. Surely tonight every mother and dad here is dreaming special dreams for your children. Surely every pastor and his wife tonight are dreaming special dreams for the work of God that God's put you in. And every missionary and every evangelist ought to be dreaming some special, special dreams. Now that's phase number one in Joseph's dream life. In chapter number 37, verse 1 down through verse 18, we're introduced to special dreams in the life of Joseph. Now, I'm not going to take time, so don't faint on me. I'm not going to preach every verse down through here. No, I'm talking about special dreams. And, and we find here that, that we're introduced to the family life of Joseph. Joseph came from a family that had faith and that knew God. You get to thinking about it, Joseph's great-granddad was Abraham. His granddaddy was Isaac. His dad was Jacob. And he came from a long pedigree of people that knew the Lord. He had been raised in church, if you will. He had been raised right and trained right. And here we see special, special dreams. Now you say, Brother Buster, Joseph had it so good. Surely there wasn't any time for sorrow and sadness. But now wait a minute. If you remember your Bible right in Genesis chapter 35, as his mother Rachel was giving birth to his younger brother Benjamin, Rachel died that day giving birth. And she told Jacob, she said, Honey, name the child. Name him Benoi, which means the son of suffering. But Jacob said, No, Rachel, we'll name him Benjamin, which means the son of my right hand. I tell you, even Benjamin was a type of Christ. Jesus was the son of suffering. And thank God tonight he's been exalted as the son of God in God's right hand. On here you find that his mother died. Joseph came from a double family, if you will. There were two wives. Jacob had two wives. And and it was a different kind of like stepbrothers and a stepfamily. And his mother died when he was young. And no doubt that there was a lot of sorrow and emotional scars upon Joseph's young life. But you know what I believe about Joseph? That I believe that his problems caused him to look deep within himself and then to look long to God. And he didn't let his problems and his uh, situation push him away from God, but rather it drove him to God. Joseph just tried to be a faithful son. In verse 1 and 2 of chapter 37, you see Joseph's spiritual drive. You say, what do you mean, preacher Satan? Well, he had to bring the evil report of his brethren. 
You say, Brother Buster, Joseph was a tattletaler. Joseph was one that just carried tales around. No, you must understand, he was an overseer out there in that field. He just wasn't another servant or one that was working, but he was an overseer. And he had an obligation to bring that evil report to his tag. Don't you know those brethren hated Joseph? Man, I can see, you know, everything Joseph just, he'd do right. He did right in every situation. They probably try to put enticements on him to sin. They probably try to get him to do this and do that. And why don't you go down here, Joseph? Let us fix you up with this young lady. I mean, they tried to put peer pressure on Joseph, but he just did right in every circumstance. I like what Dr. Bob Jones Sr. said, and many of you have heard this down through the years. He said, do right, do right. Dr. Bob Jones Sr. said, it's never wrong to do right. It's never right to do wrong. And do right till the stars fall from their silver sockets. Just do right. Do right. His spiritual drive here. Then in verse number 3, you see his splendid dress, this coat of many colors. Now, I believe that Jacob, what he did when Rachel died, he transferred his love and his affection for Rachel unto Joseph. And it's like he loved Joseph more than all the other brethren. And he made him this coat of many colors. And that spoke of his position and of his pedigree. And that he was to be an overseer out there in the field. And you must understand, there were some of those other brethren that were older than Joseph. And I can almost say, see him saying, well, Daddy, this is Daddy's little pet. Uh, may I simplify this some way tonight? Uh, you know, somebody comes to the church, they get saved by the grace of God, get on fire for God, and Pastor Brown will elevate them, give them a position, and let them do something for God, and somebody else sitting around, been here for years, say, well, I've been here for a long time, and nobody's ever let me do anything for God, but have you had a right attitude? Have you, have you really got excited about doing something for God? Yeah. You see, you know, this coat of many colors, it was like waving a red flag in front of an old Brahma bull. I mean, it made the brethren mad, friends. You let God begin to put his touch upon some young preacher. Right? Let God begin to bless some young pastor somewhere. Right? And folk get saved and God do a work. Right? And there's a lot of people that'll get jealous. Get envious. Here you see the splendid dress, the spiritual drive. But if you'll notice in verse number, verse number, all verse number fifteen, verse number five, there's the spectacular dreams. Oh Joseph, man, he just dreamed some dreams. I mean, brother, he laid down that night and dreamed a dream, and and he told it to his brethren. Boy, he thought they'd be excited about it, you know. I mean, these were his brethren that had the same dad. And he said, hey, Dan, not to lie, Gad, Asher, all you boys were in my dream. They said, now wait a minute, Joseph. You said you were binding sheaves and your sheaves stood upright. And our sheaves bowed. Hey, Joseph, you think we're going to bow down to you? What, what, is, what kind of dream is this? You see, you've got to be careful about telling your dreams to other people. If you dare to dream, special dreams, and you've got a longing to build a Sunday school class, be careful who you tell it to. If you've got a longing to build a bus route, if you've got a longing to be a flaming evangelist, or to build a work for God, you've got to be very careful who you tell things to. 
I remember when I got saved 21 years ago, I was thinking as some of the men were testifying tonight, my hair was parted in the middle, laid back over my ears and down on my shoulders. I had a turquoise necklace about my neck, turquoise rings, platform shoes, bell-bottom breeches. I left work on a Friday dressed like that, come back on Monday, and I got three haircuts in one weekend. And I came back, took the King James Bible, and I said, I've got right with God, and God's called me to preach. They said, he smoked so much dope it blowed his mind, and uh, come to work, and I worked around some preachers there on the job, you know. And I, was just, I was working at a factory. I wasn't married then, 24 years old. I said, me and I talked to those men of God. Some of them were post-millennial. Some were all-millennial. And, and I was a pre-millennial. And I tried to tell them about the Lord coming again and that he's going to ride a white horse one day and, and set up his ruling reign in Jerusalem. Why, they'd laugh and make fun of me. I said, man, one day God's going to let me go preach revival. And one day I'm going to be able to walk out of this factory and, and turn in my resignation and go full time. Now listen to me. There's nothing wrong with being a bivocational preacher. Don't go out of here and lie on Brother Buster. It's honorable, friend, to work a job and pastor a work and, and be bivocational unto God or bless the church. And if he never does, it's still honorable for you to work and to preach to but you see, I had some dreams and desires. Well, I'd go to that old job every day and I'd say, Oh, Lord, when are you going to let me go full time? Oh, Lord, I need to be a preacher and I need to be a going. And some of those older preachers there where I worked, they'd say, Now, Brother Buster, why don't you quit that dream? Why don't you just settle down now and preach here and there? And don't get excited about this thing of serving the Lord. Oh, I had a heart that wanted to go full time and be busy and preach the meetings. And I tell you what, friend, I took every opportunity. I went to the jails. We had some cottage prayer meetings back then. And I'd preach wherever they'd let me preach, friend. Nursing homes, jails, we're dragging old tin around. I took every opportunity that God would avail me. I couldn't wait one day. I'd get around old Brother Mays, Jackson. I'd meet Brother Mays and these different men. And them preaching those revivals. I said, Lord, I sure would like to do that one day. Because I knew in my heart that God had called me to be an evangelist from the start. Some of them say, I preach a quick dream in those dreams. Just said, I'm going to tell you something, men of God. It doesn't cost a dime more to shoot for the moon. You hear me? I mean, set your sights high. Hey, listen, set your sights high and dare to dream dreams for God. You get around some of these preachers, they'll pull you down and they'll say, God's not doing anything. God's not speaking. And these are the last days and I know where we're at as a church in the dispensation of grace. But our God has not changed. And He still has all power for you. And He's able to build a world in 1997. Curious. He's able to build a bus route. He's able to build a Sunday school class. He's able to do a work on the mission field. He's still God. He's still God. See, here's their special, special dreams. Spectacular dreams. You say, Brother Buster, have you had any special dreams? Oh, yeah, down through the years. I remember as a young preacher, I heard about the land of the sky, Jubilee. Brother Ralph Sexton Sr., Dr. Ralph Sexton Sr. I thought, Lord... I sure would like, not ever told nobody these dreams, but in my heart I said, Lord, I sure would like to preach there one day. 
But you know what God did? God granted that one day miraculously. God worked that out. Let me preach that on three different occasions. First time I ever heard about Dr. Lang Brown and down here at Victory Baptist Church, Brother Joe Walker and some of the others, and Brother John Rickenbacker told me about this work and Dr. Brown. And, and when I met him and heard him preach, I thought in my heart, Lord, I sure would like to preach down there someday. And you know what? Well, here I am tonight. I mean, if you don't thank God, answers prayer. And if you don't thank God, honor some dreams. And you better wake up. You say, hey, I'm telling you. Oh, yes, we need some dreams and goals and, and, and some aspirations for God. Dr. Brown set me up all ago and showed me his office. I said, please, it's beautiful. And he showed me, I saw a little old, there's a picture down on the desk in his office and and he was standing here and something was burning. He said, Brother Buster, that's when we burned the note off. He said, we burned the note off a year ago and everything's paid for it. But he said, we're going to build again. We're going to do more for God. I said, hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, if we're not careful, we'll get satisfied. We'll get at ease in Zion. And we'll say, well, we're running this and we're doing this. And when we get at ease in Zion, God will set us on the shelf. There's those spectacular dreams. But in verse number 18, there was some sinful desire. You notice in verse 18, they held a conspiracy. The brethren did I mean, brother, they got mad at Joseph. They have a conspiracy against him. And they intended to do away with this special, special group. You ever ran into any brethren like that? When you tell them what's in your heart, how you'd like to do something for God, instead of instead of encouraging you, instead of praying for you, and saying, God bless you, they'll try to pull you down, hold you back. Amen. I've been around a few of them. Here's young Joseph, 17 years old, excited about dreaming for God. He saw his brethren in it. He saw his stepmother and his dad in that dream. And he told them that. And all of them begin to find fault with him. Special dreams. Some of you here tonight that have had special dreams down through the years. There was a time when you really used to dream for God. You had some goals and ambitions and desires. And you wanted God to pour His power on you. You wanted God to anoint you and use you. That special, special dream. But then in phase number two, when you come to chapter 37, verse number 20, down to about verse number 36, there's something that happens to the special dreams of Joseph. You say, preacher, what happens to Joseph is just 17 years old. He doesn't understand all these dreams. He tells his brethren, and they said, let's get rid of this dreamer. I mean, they hold a conspiracy, and, and they plan to sell him to the Ishmaelite slaves. They were going to kill him at first. They put him in that abandoned pit. They, they put him in that uh, abandoned pit, and they were getting ready to kill him. Reuben said, let's do the boy no harm. And when Reuben came back, they done sold the boy to Ishmaelite slaves. And you say, preach to see what happens. What is the second phase? Not only do you see special dreams, but I tell you what happens sometimes. They're shattered dreams. Shattered dreams. Have you ever had any dreams to be shattered in your life? Have you ever had some goals and ambitions and desires for your family and your children and for God? And then all of a sudden it's like jagged rocks of circumstances arise on the horizon of your life. 
and your special dreams are shattered, broken, fall apart at your feet. I promise you in this congregation tonight as I watch people come to the altar during the special singing, and my, the Holy Spirit reminded me these are souls that are hurting and that are broken and have special needs. All over this congregation, there's people here tonight that have had special dreams only to see them become shattered and broken. Well, if you travel with those of us that travel on the highways and do, in the meetings and go with us and listen to the sad stories, listen to the heart-wrenching stories of shattered dreams, I'm thinking tonight about a young man of God who's in heaven now, 37 years old. If I remember right, his name was Brother Dean Shook. Brother Dean Shook, 37 years old. He left behind a wife and two little precious boys. He had cancer of the brain and just recently died, and his dad preached his funeral over toward Greenville, South Carolina. Shattered dreams, as it were. Shattered dreams. I meet him every week. I, I meet him almost every day and hear phone calls. Preacher, my boy. Preacher, my girl. Preacher, my wife. Preacher, my husband. Preacher, my, the ministry that I'm in. The heartache, the heartbreak. Shattered dreams. Oh, but I tell you, here's Joseph now. Can you imagine he's in that pit? They throw Joseph into that abandoned well. The Bible said there was no water there. Evidently, it was an abandoned well, a pit. Can you see Joseph hit the bottom of that pit? I mean, he's bruised and, and there's cuts on him and, and he's hurting and they're around the mouth of that well or pit and, and they look down and they laugh at him. They make fun of him. And then the Ishmaelite slave traders come by and they said, let's don't kill him. Let's, let's make something out of him. Let's sell him. Let's get something out of this boy. They pull him up out of that pit and they sell him for 20 pieces of silver. And there goes Joseph. Now remember, church, this is actually, this actually happened. A 17-year-old young man tied to the back of a slave wagon being drugged down towards Egypt. As the Bible talks about the feathers in the book of Psalms. The feathers hurt his hands. And I see Joseph staggering and stumbling and faltering down towards Egypt. I see the brethren standing there waving at him saying, Goodbye, dreamer. See you later, dream boy. What will become of your dreams now, Joseph? Joseph, no doubt, turns around and looks at them, tears in his eyes. He wonders, will I ever see my dad again? Will I ever see my brother Benjamin again? Why have my brethren sold me out? But every, listen to this, every faltering, every staggering step down toward Egypt had already been ordained of the Lord. Joseph did not know it, but he was smack dab in the will of God. I'm telling you, he was in the will of God. You say, preacher, how can you come to that estimation? The Bible said in the book of Psalms, chapter 37, verse 23, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And this was God's plan. This was in God's big program. And it was part of God's will. Part of God's will. 17 years old, special dreams have turned his shattered He has no pastor to consult. He has no youth director to go to. Has no mother, no dad. Has nobody to turn to. But his faith is in God. Faith is in God. Chapter number 39, you'll find that 
Joseph, you, you remember in chapter 39, at the close of chapter 37, the Bible says the Midianites sold him into Egypt under Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh and captain of the guard. Joseph is sold down there. I see him set on a slave block, and they auction him off, and old Potiphar, shifty-eyed, Potiphar looks on him and says, I'll buy that young Hebrew slave. Puts him into his ward, if you will. But you know what the Bible said in chapter 39, verse 2, and the Lord was with Joseph. Hallelujah, friend. When the brethren sell you out, when it seems like all your dreams are shattered and scattered to the wind, I'm glad the Lord was still with Joseph. And the Lord was with Joseph down there in part of his house. And the Lord blessed Joseph. You know what I personally, he had to have a right attitude for God to bless him. He didn't get bitter toward God. He didn't get mad at God. He didn't find fault with God's plan. I believe Joseph was such a godly young man. He made him an altar somewhere in Potiphar's house. He said, Lord, if you want me to be a slave, I'll do my best to be the best slave Potiphar's ever seen. And he just yielded to the rod, if you will. He yielded to the yoke that was put upon him. You know what the Bible teaches us in chapter 39? Potiphar, he turned everything over to Joseph. I mean, man, he just turned the whole ship match over to Joseph. The Lord was with him. You see, in chapter 39, Joseph's dream life was shattered in his vocation as he went from being an overseer in the field, that as he went from a man, a young man that wore a coat of many colors, that, that to wearing a slave's garment in the house of Potiphar. His dreams were shattered in his vocation. But I'm glad of this, Joseph didn't sell God out. He didn't sell God out, but he stayed with God. Then in chapter 39, you'll find not only was his dream shattered in his vocation, but his dreams were shattered by temptation. Oh, yeah, see, the devil didn't like this now. I believe the devil thought Joseph will get up. He'll give up when they sell him to the Ishmaelites. And, and when he got down there in Potiphar's house, and he, he said, Surely Joseph will give up now. But Joseph just gathered him here for God. So the devil said, I'll see to it that this young man's ruined. I'll wreck and ruin his life. I'll set up a tailor-made temptation. Now, listen to me, young people. The devil knows how to bring a tailor-made temptation into your life. Joseph is maybe now 17, 18 years old, maybe 19. I don't know how long he was in Potiphar's house. Maybe a year or so now. And, and you know what? Potiphar had a wife and she cast her eyes upon Joseph. You remember this story? And she said, come lie with me, Joseph. And over and over again, Joseph would say, no, no, ma'am, no, no. Finally, one day he went into the house to do his business. The Bible said, and there was no one there. And, and she was lying there, and she grabbed him by the coat. And she said, come lie with me, Joseph. You know what Joseph could have done? Now, Joseph was handicapped. You say, preacher, what do you mean he was handicapped? The Bible said in chapter 6 of verse 39, the Bible said Joseph was a goodly person and well-favored. I mean, he was a handsome young man. He was a, a gorgeous young man. A, a, a knockout, if you will. Potiphar's wife said, I want this man. You talk about a wicked husband. You talk about a wicked, low-down Jezebel of a woman. Potiphar's wife was. She wanted to seduce this young man. Joseph said, no man. 
No man, she grabbed his coat and pulling him into that hot bed. I mean, can you listen? Joseph is 17, 18, 19. He has all the passions of any red blooded boy. I mean, he's got all the urges and the longings. But he said, No! No. I say what he did. He left his coat, but he kept his character. He left his vesture, but he kept his virginity. He left his garment, but he kept his godliness. He said, no. No. He said in verse 9, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? You see, he saw sin in its true perspective, ladies and gentlemen. He, he, listen, it was not only going to be a sin against Potiphar and a sin against Potiphar's wife and a sin against Joseph's own body, but it was a sin against God. He said, Man out the door. Talking about his dreams, Daddy. He did not. He turned her down. He said no to immorality. No to this wickedness. Man out the door. I believe the devil put it in part of her wife's mind. You know what she thought? Here's what she began to think. You can read it in these verses. She took that coat. One old time writer, Clarence McCartney, made this statement. He said, hell knows no fury like a woman scorned. Hell knows no fury like a woman that she scorned. Why well, you found that out from Jezebel, didn't you? And Joseph found it out from Potiphar's wife. She held that coat. She said, this is what I'll do. I'll tell my husband when he comes home that this Hebrew boy tried to seduce me and rape me, if you will. And she lied on Joseph. And I tell you, when Potiphar came home, he got into a rage. And he took Joseph and put him in the penitentiary, friend. Got in the prison. Can't you imagine if they brought young Joseph into that penitentiary? Now, hardened criminals are down there. I mean, those that have stood against uh, Pharaoh. Right? It's where Pharaoh's prisoners were put. Can you imagine if this young Hebrew boy come walking in? They said, what did, what did he do? What's, what's that young boy guilty of? And somebody said, he tried to seduce Potiphar's wife. And they begin to laugh and jeer at him and say, well, we've got a lover boy on our hands. And are you a Hebrew? And they begin to laugh and make fun of him. Don't you know Joseph's heart was broken? His dreams were shattered that much more. And he did right. He did right. But it seemed like he turned out wrong. He did right, but it seemed like he turned out wrong. Down in the penitentiary. Heartbroken. Dreams and special dreams back there a few years ago. But now they're shattered. Some of you came into this meeting tonight. Paul, sure, I know how we do. We're professional actors. We're the best the world has. We come in, we put on our false face, and we come in knowing how to say all the right words. How you doing? Oh, man, I'm doing the best you ever seen. I tell you, everything's going good, but if people could look down through some of our hearts, and we could pull back the flesh, as it were, and there was a window to look into some of the hearts here tonight, there's a river of tears that have been flowing. There's shattered dreams tonight. Broken dreams. It seems like that technically ability for them to ever be put back together again. So I'm telling you something tonight. I know someone who can put broken pieces back together again. 
I'm glad I know a potter, friend. I'm telling you, though the vessel may be marred in his hand, yet he can make another vessel out of it. Has it pleased him? I know one that can take broken pieces put them back together. I was thinking coming up the road this afternoon as I was traveling from East Tennessee meditating on this message. I thought about when my dad died in 1976. I was 24 years old. My dad, no doubt he dreamed dreams for me, desired that I'd live for God and serve. I was a preacher's son, but I was lost. I was raised in church, but I was lost. And my dad died, and, and it was like shattered dreams in his life. Shattered dreams. But I'm glad three months after my dad died on May the 6th, dad died on May the 6th, on August the 8th, 1976, at about a quarter to twelve on a Sunday morning, I'm glad the Holy Ghost took those shattered dreams and made something out of them, friend. I believe it made news in heaven. Believe what you want to believe. I believe there's an angel somewhere in heaven stopped my dad from shouting and said, Brother Jim, your son just got in. Your boy just got saved. Some of you here tonight may have a prodigal son, a prodigal daughter, a prodigal brother, sister, mother, dad. And it seems like they're going further and further and further out into sin. Don't give up. Don't quit praying. Hang on to God, friend. Special dreams, shattered dreams. He's down in the penitentiary now. I believe somewhere in that penitentiary, he made him an offer. Clean him off the spot and said, Lord, I don't understand what's going on. Lord, you showed me a dream about the sheep bowing down to my sheep and about the moon and the sun and the eleven stars bowing down. But Lord, it seems like I'm going further and further down. But if you want me to be an inmate, I'll try to be the best inmate that this crowd's ever seen. And you know what the Bible teaches us? You'll find in chapter number 40, that uh, the prison keeper turned the whole thing over to Joseph. I mean, the Lord was with Joseph down in the penitentiary. Amen, friend. I mean, when he got all the way down in the pen, if you will, down in the prison house, the Lord was there. And the old, in, the old prison keeper turned it all over to Joseph. Chapter number 40, I'm trying to hurry. There, there's a couple of strange things that happened. In comes walking two men right out of Pharaoh's household, if you will. In comes walking the butler and the baker. And they get in there and they're turned over to Joseph in verse number four. And in verse number five, the Bible said they dreamed a dream, both of them. And, and, and they were troubled about their dream. In verse number seven, Joseph said, Wherefore look ye so sadly today? In verse eight, they said unto him, We have dreamed a dream and there is no interpreter of it. And Joseph said unto them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Don't you know that when the butler and the baker told Joseph we dreamed a dream, maybe his mind went back to when he was 17 years old and he remembered those special dreams. But even right here, did you notice? He said, Listen, men, interpretations belong to God. He said, If you'll tell me the dream, I'll tell you the interpretation. You remember the story about the butler and the baker? What happened in the dream, the butler was brought out after three days and delivered out of the penitentiary. And the baker was brought out after three days, but he died. He was put to death. 
But in chapter number 40, verse 14, as Joseph is interpreting the butler's dream, he said, But think on me when it shall be well with thee, and show kindness, I pray thee, unto me, and, and make mention of me unto Pharaoh, and bring me out of this house. He said, Would you think on me, butler? Think on me. I can see that butler say, Joseph, if they get me out of here, man, I'll tell Pharaoh, we'll get you out of here. No, sir. Can't you imagine maybe Joseph and three days later what they did? They brought the brother out. That they brought him out and he was set free. Well, Joseph probably packed him a little nap sack together and got his toothbrush and got his few belongings together. And they said, Joseph, what do you think you're for? Oh, he said, the butler's not going to forgive me. The butler will remember me. But a day turned into a week and a week turned into a month and a month turned into the Bible. said so in chapter 41, verse 1. And it came to pass at the end of two full years. Can you imagine the heartache and the sorrow? I mean, it was a little ray of hope. He thought the Lord will surely get me out now. And then that, that little, little special dream was shattered again. I wonder what you and I would have done. How would you and I have responded to God's dealings as He dealt with Joseph? Would we have quit on God? Would we have thrown in the towel and said, it's just not worth it? Would we have been guilty of bringing a railing accusation against God and say, I, I deserve better than this? But Joseph just said to God, two full years coming in, one little old lift like a ray of hope was slammed shut in his face. And I believe Joseph may have, I'm going to check with him at the judgment seat when we get to heaven. I want to sit down and talk to Joseph. You know, he may have made up in his mind his heart's desire. He might have said, Lord, if you want me to be an inmate the rest of my life. Lord, if this is what you've got for me for the rest of my life, then so be it. So be it. You know what now, Joseph is 30 years old. When you come to chapter 41, Joseph is 30 years old. 13 years have come and gone since he dreamed special dreams. Are you listening to me? Thirteen years of continually going down and down and down and down. But in chapter number 41, old Pharaoh dreamed a dream. Then this is a dreaming book. You ought to get into it. I mean, it's really innocent. I mean, old Pharaoh dreams a dream. And, and he goes to sleep that night. He begins to dream. And he, he sees seven. seven uh, large ears of corn and he wakes up and he calls his magicians and, and his two slayers and everybody else. And nobody can interpret the dream. He said, Brother Buck, if you forgot your point, no, I, I'm on the third point, the last point. Special dream, shattered dream. All of a sudden, that butler, that butler said, he, he said unto Pharaoh, he said, I do remember, verse number nine, my thoughts this day. He said that there is a young man, there's a Hebrew down in the penitentiary. There's a young man by the name of Joseph that can interpret dreams. I see Pharaoh say, get him, bring him in here. And they send word down to the penitentiary. Can't you see that old prison keeper coming to Joseph? And grabs Joseph on the shoulder and said, Joseph, Joseph, I don't know what you've done or what kind of trouble you're in, but Pharaoh demands your presence immediately in the palace. I believe Joseph turned and looked at him and said, did, 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 did you say palace? Did you say palace? He said, hurry, son, we've got to get you shaved. We've got to get your clothes changed. And all the time, I mean, things are just whizzing by. And he said, did you say palace? 
palace. And what's happening, it's been special dreams and shattered dreams. But they're about to become sweet dreams. Sweet dreams are coming for Joseph, friend. They usher him into the presence of Pharaoh. He stands there in that marble corridor in that palace. And Pharaoh probably rises off of his throne and said, Young man, they tell me that you can interpret dreams. He said, Pharaoh, there is a God in heaven. I believe the devil said, Joseph, don't you blow it now. Don't you go preaching this God in heaven business. I tell you what's in your heart will come out of your mouth, friend. I don't care whose presence you're in. He said, Pharaoh, there's a God in heaven that can give you the interpretation of your good. Now see, Pharaoh had many, many gods. Joseph said, there's a God. Pharaoh said, I'm going to tell you my dreams, and you tell me the interpretation of it. Pharaoh did, and Joseph said, that's it. He said, this is the interpretation. There's going to be seven good years. Seven years of plenty, and then there'll be seven years of famine. He said, Pharaoh, you better get ready. You better seek you out somebody that can set everything in order and, and get things ready for those seven years. Right there in the courtyard, Pharaoh. See Pharaoh as he looks around. You can read this in chapter number 41. In verse number 38, Pharaoh said unto his servants, Can we find such a one as this, a man in whom the Spirit of God is? Why, he said, this is the man we're going to appoint. And you know what he did? He took a ring off of his hand and he put it on Joseph's hand. Then they took, listen, I mean fine linen and they clothed Joseph with royal apparel. And then somebody in that room probably said that every knee bows to royalty and they all begin to get out on their knees and bow down to Joseph. You know what I believe the precious Holy Ghost did? I believe he whispered in Joseph's ear and said, sweet dreams, Joseph. I told you you're going to the palace one day. Sweet dreams, Joseph. Pharaoh looked him over and said, you ever been married? He said, no, sir, never have been married. He said, I got a priest over in the city of Om, O-N. And he said, he's got a daughter and I want you to marry her. He said, yes, sir. And he got a Gentile bride. Nine months later, he gave birth, she gave birth to two boys. One was named Manasseh. And the other one was named Ephraim. The word Manasseh means forgetting. And the word Ephraim means fruitful. I tell you, when he bounced that little old boy on his leg, one of them said, God, you thought God had forgot you? And he bounced the other one, and the other one would say, but God is making you fruitful. And the Holy Ghost said, sweet dreams, Joseph. Sweet dreams, Joseph. You come to chapter number 42. I mean, those Seven years of plenty have come, and they're two years deep in the famine. Chapter number 42, old Jacob's up there in the land of Canaan. He brings those eleven sons in there, and he holds Benjamin close to him. And he said, now you ten boys go down into Egypt. I hear there's corn in Egypt. And I tell you what they did, they went down there. And chapter 42, I believe it's verse number 6, let's make sure. 
And that's where it's at. The Bible said in Joseph was the governor over the land. And it was that he sold to all the people of the land. And Joseph's brethren came and bowed down themselves before him with their faces to the earth. I mean those ten brothers get down on their knees and they bow down before Joseph. I believe the Holy Ghost said sweet dreams, Joseph. I told you that's going to bow. Hey, what God promises you in the daylight, don't you never doubt in the darkest day of your life. Them brethren bowed down before Joseph. He made himself strange to them. He acted like he didn't know who they were. He had changed in 13 years. He had grown up from puberty and he's a young man now. And they don't know who he is. said, have you got a daddy? Have you got a daddy? Is your daddy alive? He said, have you got any more family? They said, we got another brother, another brother. He sends them back up in the land of Canaan. Then they have to go back down there. And the Bible said they came back and, and they bowed again before him. And they brought back Benjamin. And finally in chapter number 45, Joseph makes everybody go out. He called the eleven brethren in there and he said, I am Joseph. I'm the brother that you sold out in your slavery. And he made himself known to them. He said, I want you to take the wagon. Chapter 45, take the wagons. He said, I want you to go back up there and get Dad. He said, I want you to get your families and your little ones and put them on the wagons and bring them back down here to Egypt. He said, I'm Lord over all the lands of Egypt. And I'm going to take care of you and I'm going to provide for you. I can see them boys. They said, Joseph, do you really mean it? You're not going to kill us. You're not going to harm us. He said, boys, take these wagons. And he loaded them down with groceries and garments. And they was packed down with grace. And he said, man, that Bible said they took off. And Joseph said, see that you fall not out by the way. He said, make haste. You see, Jacob was up there. Jacob for 13 long years. They thought his boy Joseph was dead. I see them boys. Can't you imagine Dan, Naphtali, Reuben, Gad, Asher riding in them wagons? And about a half a mile from home, they stand up and they begin to holler, Jacob! Jacob! He's alive! He's alive! He's alive! I mean, they begin to holler, He's alive! And old Jacob sticks his head out the window and said, What's those boys been into now? And they pull them wagons in there. And the Bible said when he, he, the Bible said his heart fainted. And he fell out. They probably picked him up. And they wiped the dust from his face and showed him the wagons. And when old Jacob saw the wagons, he said, It is enough. My son Joseph is yet alive. And I will go and see him before I die. Thank God our heavenly Joseph is alive and the wagons of God's grace are here tonight. Hallelujah! And the best thing you ever do is go see the heavenly Joseph before you die. Sweet dreams, Joseph. Sweet dreams. Can't you imagine in chapter number 46 if my mind serves me right? Bible said in chapter number 46, Scripture said in verse 29, And Joseph made ready his chariot and went up to meet Israel, his father, to Goshen. I see old Jacob riding in that wagon. 
And they said, Daddy, let us tell you about the pyramids. Let us tell you about the Sphinx. And let us tell you about the Nile River. He said, away with that foolishness. Tell me about my son, Joseph. Tell me about my boy that I thought was dead, but yet he is alive. Tell me about Joseph. When they got there on that field, you read it, friend, if you'll read. The Bible said there in chapter number 46, if I remember right, the Bible said that when they got there, Jacob got out of the wagon. But you know what they all had to do before they came to Joseph? They all had to bow. I see Jacob with Leah. I, I, Joseph's stepmother, and the sun and the moon bowed down. And then I see the eleven stars all begin to bow down. And the Holy Ghost said, Sweet dreams, Joseph. Sweet dreams, Joseph. I told you there's going to bow one day. There they are. Sweet dreams. Then you'll find in chapter number 49, you'll find that old Jacob dies. Chapter number Fifty, you have the burial of Jacob. Chapter number fifty, at the latter part of it, Joseph is getting ready to die. And his brethren, you know what his brethren said? His brethren thought that just as soon as dad's dead and buried, Joseph will remember all the evil that we did against him. And he'll require us of all this evil. You know what Joseph told him? He said, brethren, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. He said, God meant it for good. Well, that's real Christian maturity when you can say that. Joseph's getting ready to die. Chapter number 50, verse 24. Joseph said unto his brethren, I die. And God will surely visit you and bring you up out of this land into the land which he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. You know what he's doing? He's still dreaming dreams. And he's getting ready to die. And Joseph took an oath of the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and ye shall carry up my bones from hence. So Joseph died being a hundred and ten years old, and he was still dreaming dreams. He said, God's not going to leave us down here in Egypt, but God's going to come and visit you and bring you out of here. And when he does, he said, you get my bones out of here. I believe them boys looked at him and said, Joseph, before you die, now do you want us to build you a you want us to build you a pyramid, a mausoleum of some kind? He said, no. The Bible said in verse number 26, and they embalmed him, and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. They tell us that word coffin there, they tell us in the Hebrew that it means a hope chest. They put him in a hope chest. He said, I don't need no pyramid, I don't need no sphinx, I don't need no mausoleum. Put me in a hope chest. Amen. He is still a dreaming dream. You ladies know what a hope chest is. My girl, my little, my girl, she's not little no more. Rebecca's grown up now. At the foot of her bed, man, she's got a massive hope chest made of cedar and old fashioned one. She got that thing filled up with china and linen and all. She's a hope chest. She's got her hope chest. Joseph said, don't you. Don't you put me in no coffin. Don't, don't put me in no mausoleum. No, put me in a coffin. Put me in a hope. So that's what they did with Joseph. They planted him in a hope. You've had loved ones that were saved by the grace of God that died. We didn't bury them. You bury something, you get rid of it. But we planted them in hope. Well, it's got one of these days those hope chests are going to burst open like pepper box lids. You know, 
what you find? You find in the book of Exodus chapter 13. 430 years have come and gone. They told Joseph dreams, special dreams about the Lord going to visit us down in Egypt. And the Bible said that God brought them out. It was the Passover. You remember that Exodus 12? I mean, God brought them out by a high hand. And you know what? Those, listen, I mean, those Egyptians give those Israelites the wages of 430 years. Man, they're carrying gold and carrying silver, but there's a man by the name of Moses. And in Exodus chapter 13, verse 19, you know what Moses has got? You know what he's carrying? He's carrying a box. And on, in that box is the bones of Joseph. They dug him up, friends. They remembered the oath that he gave to them. And they dug him up and put him in a box. And oh, Moses is carrying a strange-looking box. And if you could open that box and touch the lid off of it, I believe the bones of Joseph would have cried out, Sweet dreams! Sweet dreams! The Lord didn't forget us and the Lord didn't leave us down here. But He got us out! Just like He said He was going to. Sometimes we think the Lord forgot us. Doesn't know where we're at. Oh, one of these days, one of these days. And it's not going to be long now, friends. Now, I'm not arguing theology tonight. I'm not arguing theology. But just for the sake of illustration, let's let everybody get up at the same time. It's resurrection morning. And I see God from heaven give the shout and the voice of the archangel, our Lord Jesus, the trumpet of God. And, and I put it on slow motion. And Adam reaches over and touches Mama Eve. And, and Mama Eve reaches over and gets Abel by the hand. And, and Abel touches Abraham, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Somebody touches Daniel. And somebody gets Hosea. Hosea grabs Simeon. And Simeon lays hold of John the Baptist. And, and John the Baptist touches you and you touch me. And, and here we go. Rising to meet the Lord in the air. You know who's in that crowd too? Oh, Joseph's in that crowd. I see as we get to, as we're going in, as we're going into one of those twelve gates made of a several pearl. As old Joseph comes walking in, I see one of those majestic angels say, Holy! Holy! He said, Behold, this dreamer coming. Behold, this dreamer coming. You know what? Listen to me. The world laughs at us. The world mocks us. They scorn us. They look down at us. But you just wait, friend, before long. We're going to be gone. We're going to be out of here. And I believe the angels in heaven are going to say as the church comes marching in, Behold, these dreamers come up. Behold, these dreamers come up. I tell you what we need to do. Just dream on, friend. Preach on. Pray on. Run that bus loud. Sing in the choir. Do the work for God. Special dreams. And they may be shattered right now. But sweet dreams are coming, sir. Sweet dreams are coming. Let's stand together, please.